0: Rainmaker FM. This podcast is brought to you by CopyBlogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Head over to CopyBlogger.com to learn more. That's CopyBlogger.com. Well, hello there. It is so good to see you again. Welcome back to CopyBlogger FM, the content marketing podcast. CopyBlogger FM is about emerging content marketing trends, interesting disasters, and enduring best practices, along with the occasional rant. My name is Sonia Simone. I'm the chief content officer for Rainmaker Digital, and you can find me hanging out over on the Copy Blogger blog. Remember that you can always get show notes, extra resources and links by going to copyblogger.fm and you'll also find the complete show archive there. So today we're going to talk about how to make your content interesting, engaging, fascinating, because if it doesn't hold people's interest, then it can't do all the things that content is good at building your authority and, you know, bringing traffic to your site and turning visitors into customers. So some of you know, I have a new puppy. She's very cute. I'm puppy obsessed at the moment. And so that's what today's analogy is going to come from. And the way I think of it is There's a couple of things you can do when you're training. So I only do positive reinforcement training, and you can reinforce the good behavior with kibble. So that's that boring dry dog food that most people feed our dogs, which works okay. It doesn't work too badly. Or you can train with something really exciting for the dog, like cut up sardines. So if you chop up sardines into little pieces, these are stinky and oily and completely irresistible. So if you want to teach your dog to do something complicated, you know, you're training your dog to do algebra while it's walking a tightrope, get some cut up sardines going. It's going to make it a lot easier. So today we're going to make your content a lot less dry and boring and a lot more stinky and irresistible in a way that appeals to your audience. And of course, you probably know we write a lot about this topic, about making your content more interesting, more engaging, over on the Copy Blogger blog. So if you would like more ideas, you might consider subscribing to that. You get a weekly digest so that you can zoom in on the posts that are going to be the most useful to you. So I'm going to start on today's conversation about fascinating content with something that's called Fascinations. Now, these are really useful when you want your audience to move from where they are now to the next step. So for example, if they see a post on Facebook and you want them to click through, or you want them to get signed up for some strong content that you're offering as an incentive for your email list. So when you're moving people from one step to the next step, these are a very good kind of allure that entices them over. So a fascination, it's a traditional copywriting term, and all it is is a short statement, often a bullet point, that entices the interest of the audience and makes them want to find out more. So it's kind of like taking those smelly sardines and putting them into a cup. So the audience can't see the reward, but they can smell it. They get a a scent of it. And here's how you put them together. So the first thing you need to do is find a benefit that the audience cares about. Find something that they want to have, something that they want to be, and then you pair that benefit with a mysterious way that the person's going to get it. So for example, how to lose 10 pounds, that's your benefit, before the holidays without making yourself miserable, cranky, or hangry. So that last part is the mysterious way, because as we all know, when we lose 10 pounds, we are in fact miserable, cranky, and hangry. So we want to find out more. Another way to construct fascinations, it's the same technique, but it's just the the mirror image, the dark mirror, is to find a warning and then pair the warning with some mysterious way that the person's going to be able to avoid this terrible fate. So for example these two words could be killing your social media shares and you won't even know it. So we have a warning and then we have this kind of mysterious add on to the warning that dangles the enticement in front of the reader and makes them want to know, okay, what are the two words and how do I, you know, not kill my social shares? So fascinations are really mini headlines. They're little itty bitty headlines for the thing that's on the other side of the the action which on the web is usually a click so they need to create that itch that needs to get scratched now another place you can put fascinations that works really nicely is in your title copy for any kind of web page a blog post uh you know a website page anything like that so these are the words that go in the title tag on your web page and They get used a couple of ways. One way is they're used as that little bit of text in the search engine results. You've got your headline, and then you've got that little bit of text. That's from your title tag, usually. Sometimes Google seems to have creative things they can do, but normally that's what's in your title tag. And the other thing for right now is that's what gets shared on social media. So for example, on Facebook, you've got the headline of your content. You've got the image for your content. And then you've got that little bit of text. That's your title tag. And that's a great place to put a fascination. And of course, especially if you're going to pay to get your content distributed, you're paying to boost a post on Facebook or you're, you know, you're running an ad. You've got a good headline. You've got a good image. And then the title copy would be something like house train your puppy in under a week using this $2 tool you can find in any pet store. Now, I selected the word this, this $2 tool, instead of a $2 tool. It's not just any old $2 tool. It's a specific tool that you're going to share in the content when they click through to get the article. And that pairing of the specific with the vague, like I have something specific to show you, but I'm being somewhat vague about what it is, that's what makes it a fascination. Now, you can, as you might guess, stretch this particular rubber band a little too far. It can look hypey. It can look annoying. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of fascination headlines out there right now. BuzzFeed is kind of known for them. But that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from it. It just means you have to approach it thoughtfully. And in my opinion and my observation, the key to making it work is to make them real. So the content on the other side of the click has to actually address the problem in the fascination and it has to address it in a meaningful way. So if you have great headlines, great images, great fascinations, and then thin content that doesn't really do anything, and we've all clicked on lots of that kind of content on social media, you're basically doing a very efficient job of getting the word out about how not very good your content is and how not very reliable you are. I do have a couple of resources for you on the mechanics of writing fascinations and writing good bullet points. So I will share those with you by, if you point your browser to copyblogger.fm, you can check out the show notes. I also always use fascination in the show notes for copyblogger.fm. And so you'll be able to just scroll through and see a couple of examples. Now, these are not as carefully crafted as they would be if I was using them on a sales page, but you can get a feeling for the structure. And once you start making a habit of using them, you'll find they come in really handy for just keeping people's interest and keeping their curiosity, um, you know, kind of pointing their nose to your content. All right. The second smelly sardine secret for making your content interesting is to vary your headlines. So I got a note from a really lovely reader asking me about a podcast that I recorded earlier, which had some ideas, different ideas, 13 different ideas for for headlines. And she wrote me and just asked me, well, which ones work best on social? And in thinking about that, I realized that, you know, although there might be one or two structures that seem to work well on social, it's probably a better idea to go ahead and vary those structures and use lots of them. You don't want to over rely on one structure um, because it makes, it's not engaging. It's not fascinating. It starts to look very repetitive. So instead of hitting that same note over and over and over, and some of the sites do, you know, you'll notice that BuzzFeed uses particular structures again and again. They're also paying for traffic. So they, they really need, you know, if they're going to put the money in, they need the headline to, to return on the investment. When you're creating an authority site, you're interested in what the whole site looks like and not only each individual piece of content. You want it to be an enjoyable experience and not just one click, throw a bunch of ads in front of them, and then they swim away. Now, you might notice some trends when you go through, you know, a number of good solid headline structures and frameworks. You're probably going to notice some trends. Certain structures are probably going to work well. You have to be really careful about over applying information that you see on trends. So you do want to do more of what works and you do want to do less of what doesn't work. But truth be told, most of us just don't get enough traffic to really reveal the meaningful trends. It's so easy for us to get some noise, some random noise and see a pattern in it. So really be on the lookout for that and, you know, yeah, you can follow the trends a little bit on your own site and say, well, this kind of headline does seem to work really well for my readers, but you always want to kind of take that with a grain of salt and realizing it could just be chance. Okay, the third secret to really creating some engagement and some interest in your content is to start with a story. And I have to say, this is so straightforward that it's almost cheating. So you want to start off by making sure that you're capturing a lot of what I call idea seedlings. I talked about these in the post I did a week ago about growing a blog post. So all the ideas, the good ideas, the dumb ideas, every kind of idea you might someday turn into content gets captured in a trusted system. And that gives you lots of options when you sit down to write. So one form of idea seedling, you definitely want to be capturing are ideas about stories, stories that you hear, stories that you read in books, uh, even jokes. So telling a quick story can be a very powerful way to start a post off with a heavy duty emotional hit. And it can make a post memorable sometimes for many years. Some of the posts, for example, on copy um, written you know, by other folks, some of the most memorable ones for me are the ones that feature stories. So to get back to our smelly sardine secrets, there's a concept in animal training called self-reinforcement. So for example, if your dog knocks over the trash, that's a self-reinforcing behavior because the dog pushes on the trash can just because random, see what's happening. And it gets rewarded with a rich supply of smelly trash. Stories are also self-reinforcing. So they bring pleasure to the audience in their own right just because people really enjoy stories. we They're just pleasurable to us. So my suggestion for these, try to tell them as succinctly as you can. And when you're thinking about the structure of stories, think about jokes, how jokes are told. So you don't necessarily want to wander like all over the place with the setup. You don't necessarily need to include every single detail to get the, the story set up. And we're all going to have a little bit different balance. You know, how many details do we include so that it's vivid? Because specific concrete details are what make stories vivid and they seem real because they seem like they happen to one person in one situation, but not so many details that the reader's just, you know, kind of gone. So I used a story a couple of years back that I read in a friend of mine's book. His name is Bill O'Hanlon, and his book is called Do One Thing Different. It's very good. Bill is really smart, and he has really good advice. And I really like how this story turned out. I mean, I just sort of swiped it, but of course I gave credit. And I'll give you the link to it in the show notes at copyblogger.fm, and you can see if you agree. I think a lot of people might feel it was a little long. Um, because the copyblogger readers are really readers, they they seem to have an appetite for it. They stuck with it, and it seemed to work really well. So in addition to telling a story kind of quickly, like it was a joke, getting the setup done as efficiently as you can, I also always like to spell out the moral. I like to say what the story, story means rather than just letting people kind of guess. Um, so with Bill's story, for example, I used it to encourage people to step up, to share their gifts, to, you know, create their great content, to work on their projects, to work on their businesses and to use our resources to help them get that done, our free stuff. So if you want a kind of incredibly bone, simple three-part formula, it would be the story. And then that leads to the emotional reaction. And then that leads to what I call now do this, a call to action to do a thing call to action to get something done. Okay. The fourth smelly sardine secret to more fascinating content is what I call the cubicle test. And this is a question you want to ask yourself anytime you have content that helps people do something they want to do, which obviously should be most of the time. So for example, a numbered list, right? Seven ways to get the thing you really, really, really want. And also any kind of checklist, any kind of a tutorial. The question you want to ask yourself, the cubicle test is, how can you make this content something that can be printed out and then thumbtacked to the wall of somebody's cubicle? Because they want to be able to refer to it today and tomorrow and next week and next month. So, of course, if you have the resources to produce something that looks great, Great visual design is very helpful with these. It helps make them more memorable and more appealing and it helps the communication work better. But if you're not there right now, it will still work. You know, type something up. It doesn't look too horrible in Word. If you're not a designer, then you got to just keep it very, very simple. Just simple text, big letters, lots of white space, and then print that to a PDF And of course, down the line, when maybe your project is making more revenue, you can always revisit it and update them and add that great design that'll help them work even better. You can also update the steps. You know, you can absolutely always do that. So you want to think of these as ultra useful mini processes that get people what they want. And they're kind of in the space between so simple, there's no way I could forget it. So for example, we had a great post on Copy Blogger called the rule of 24. Nobody pinned that to their cubicle wall because you just, once you perceive it, it's like, oh yeah, that's a good rule. And you'll always remember it. And then of course, not going so far into complexity that it's too hard. Right? These are things that are easy to do, simple to do, simple, quick, mini-processes, but people are going to want to be able to look at it on a sheet of paper to remember it. So single page, great big letters, great big print, focused on what they can do differently. So a habit, a process, or a little ritual. And these are cool because A, they can actually change behavior, which is really exciting. They can really help people stay on track with their goals. B, it puts your name and your website and your information in their space all the time. So when they have a question or a problem about what you do, they can say, oh yeah, that person made that good thing. And they'll be able to just get in touch with you instantly. And of course, both of those lead to C, which is that you become an authority that they trust to solve their problems in your topic. And then the fifth smelly sardine secret is to zig and then zag. So all steady diets are boring. If you have a steady diet of anything, you will get bored and your audiences are not any different. So one day we train the puppy with some cut up sardines and then the next day we might use some cooked chicken. The day after that, we might use some little pieces of hot dogs and we mix in some kibble, right? We mix in some basic, simple stuff that's familiar and nutritious and maybe not as exciting, but still useful. So with your content, you want to do the same thing. You want to change things up. You don't want to hit the same note every day. So on Copyblogger, we're really known for long form content. If that's you, then throw some short pieces in there. And if you're known for ultra short, once in a while, it should be really long. Copyblogger, again, is known for fairly serious content, you know, kind of gets to the point and um, is pretty businesslike. Sometimes throw in something nutty you know, it should still be useful, but the audience might have to kind of puzzle on it for a little bit to get the message. And my absolute favorite piece that we did on Copyblogger that that shows what this is about is from a Twitter account. I personally do not have any idea who this is called Fake Grimlock. And Fake Grimlock wrote a post for us called Because Awesome. And I will of course, give you the link in the show notes. The comments were unbelievable because people were like, wait, were you hacked? You know, like it was so out there and it was hard. Like it was hard to understand. It was, it was kind of poetic in its compression um, and people read it and then they read it again and then they really started to understand the message and then they really started to understand how it resonated. Plus it was funny. The whole post was in all caps, so it bounced itself into more than one person spam filter. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It woke everybody up, um, and it has a really good message. Actually, an excellent message. Along similar lines, although we've never quite, quite reached the heights of fake Grimlock, um, we like to do absurd April Fool stories. So we don't necessarily, we're not trying to trick anybody. We we have done the trick thing, which is okay, but. It's just more fun for me if The Fool in April Fool's is about just enjoyable nonsense. And again, it's, you know, some people just hate them. Some people hate everything having to do with April Fool's. I understand a lot of, you know, trauma recovery around April Fool's out there. I get it. Um, but I, I really enjoy them. I enjoy letting us be silly and and foolish every once in a while. I think it makes a good um I think it makes a good change and a kind of a refresher from, you know, trying to be useful and trying to get into your inbox and really help you get stuff done. That's good, but goofing off a little bit is good too. You have to have the right balance. So that's it. Five stinky sardine ways to make your content more fascinating. I'm not sure all of them are exactly stinky sardine ways, but the point behind the sardines is is kind of a recurring theme at Copyblogger, which is something that you as the site owner may not really get that big a charge out of. Like, I don't particularly enjoy the smell of, you know, sardines. Your audience might just go bananas for. They absolutely love it. So really think about what are they going to love. Be sure you're rewarding them with really good stuff that really makes them feel amazing. And be sure that it's got some scent to it, that it's got some noticeability, that it's going to get their attention because, you know, there's a lot of content, there's a lot of stuff going on, everybody's pretty distracted. They do have time and attention for you, but you're going to have to earn it. And you're going to have to earn it by just really producing some stuff that really meets their needs. So that's it for today. Hope you like my sardines. Um, I would be very interested to know in the comments um, what you're doing to make your content interesting, exciting, engaging. Uh, Swing on over to copyblogger.fm and let us know. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Take care.